The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Love Hi guys and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show about the Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me as always, we've got co-host Fishing Rico4. How are you, buddy? Macca, mate, I'm friggin' excited, buddy, <laughs> and I can tell you why. Right? This is how excited I am. Right? I've gone out and I've got myself a jar and oh, I can't open the jar. <laughs> how bad am I? Wait a sec. How bad am I? So I pop the lid, <laughs> and there's parties going everywhere around Alberton. The balloons are out. Oh, Jessica, you trot on the balloon, Jesus. right? But everyone is happy because I have taken the lid off at Alberton Oval. <laughs> Top of the ladder, rip snorter. <laughs> You're a maniac, Rick. You are a maniac. How, how good is that? And after you've introed our guests, I'd like to just talk about the lid for two minutes. Absolutely, we can. For the first time on the podcast, we've got Ross FC. How are you, mate? Good, and uh, thank you for putting me on the podcast. It's going to be a good time, and it's good that uh, I get to actually listen to the podcast early. That's it, absolutely. (laughs) The lid's off, Rick. Keep it on. Put it back on. No, look. Do you know what? The it's lid like has Pringles, to be mate. Off. It's like Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. That's exactly right, but we deserve to pop. I don't want the players popping the lid, but I think as supporters, we don't have to be arrogant, but I think we can slowly lift that lid up. We're seven or one into the season, guys, and we're looking fantastic. And I said last week that I think we're the best team in the competition for 2014 season, and we're playing like it. Um, seven or one, top of the ladder. And uh, I think we deserve as supporters to, to lift the lid and enjoy what's going on. We don't have to be arrogant and cocky and say we're world beaters because we know we're not. And we've got a lot to do over the next few years if we want to uh, get recognised the same as what the Hawthorne and Geelong have done over the last five, six years. But I think we can definitely um, start lifting that lid and even talking maybe, you know, getting into that top eight and hopefully the top four. No, I do agree with that. I said to a few mates after the uh, after the Geelong game that, you know, we've gone through so much crap over the last four or five years, even maybe a little bit longer than that, that we really do need to deserve and, and celebrate these wins as supporters, because it doesn't come around all that often. Look, even if we uh, even if we don't win the flag this year, it's going to be a bloody enjoyable ride. And look, we've we are in fantastic form. You've got to agree with that. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, look. Only a fool is going to come out now, or even in the finals, and say we're going to win the flag. You you can't you can't guarantee that until you know you're in the grand final, and then you can say we're in the grand final. But I mean, even Roughhead, you know, during the week summed it up perfectly. They want enough games to make top four because that's what you need to do to set yourself up with the flag, and and that's what I'm sure Ken and the boys are, are targeting as well. And me as a supporter, we've given ourselves a great platform uh, to try and get top four. And after we win the next three games, because uh, did Roughhead get rubbed out? Yep, one week. 
<laughs> Even better. You know, they're pretty depleted. We've got a perfect opportunity to play Hawthorne now. Uh, we should scrub up well against the two other teams. It could be very conceivable. But we'll be 10-1 and 1, um, after 11 games. Yeah. Love it. What a there start. There you go. Started with a bang, literally. It did. <laughs> and if, you, uh, if you're very controversial tonight, I've got a new implement. Now, here we go. Good stuff. Well, Ross, let's find out about your Port background. How did you become a, a Port fan? Well, probably when I was about six, uh, I was probably on, I think it was on a Saturday against uh, it was Port Adelaide Magpies versus Sturt. And I was switching through the channel on ABC trying to find the cartoons because I didn't know, really know what football was at that time. And I saw the Magpies. I can't remember if they won or lost, though, but they looked like a good team. I was, you know, they're good. So... I, uh, you know, I thought, you know, I want to watch this uh, more often. And my dad said that uh, there's a team in the AFL called the Power, and he was a Carlton supporter. So what happened was in 2002, he brought me to Amy Stadium, Port vs Carlton. I probably won that game probably a lot. I can't remember exactly what happened. But pretty much all I remember from that game was Shay Cockatoo Collins, like, kicking a goal. I think it might have been 50 metres out. The seat I had was absolutely terrible. It was like on the boundary line and just under the members' stand. And uh, probably from then on then, like, I bought a membership 2003 and haven't looked back since. Probably 2002 to 2010, I probably saw like half a dozen games. I didn't really know like what the financial status of the club was when I was younger. So around the time when Primus uh, got picked up as coach, I, just, I was hearing about how the club was in disarray and I decided to get a, you know 11 game membership and I've since 2011 I, I've been to pretty much all the games and seen the lows and I've definitely seen the highs and I've enjoyed it brilliant what's your uh, favorite match uh, well pro- I from a personal standpoint from like where I've been I probably saw the the kangaroos game from Couple, I think it was like two years ago, Paul Stewart kicked the winning goal. Like I was going crazy. I was smashing the chairs. People would look at me like I was crazy or something. <laughs> and also uh, probably um, from 2002 to 2010 when I was, only saw half a dozen games, but like I'd watch it religiously on TV. And that 04 prelim was probably the best game I've seen on television. Like, that was amazing. And yeah. uh, what about your favourite player? Uh, started off when I was watching. One of the reasons why I went for the power was Stewie Jew's big left foot, and then uh, grew on after. Like when he left, it probably was uh, Roden and Corns, that Chad Corns and Mitch and uh, both of those. And for the last like year or two, it's been Schultz. Love it. Speaking of love, let's go on to our love and hate. Uh, one thing we loved, one thing we hated around the footy club this week. Uh, Rick, buddy, let's start with you, mate. All right, Macca, um, I'm loving our, our team defence and uh, our one percenters this week. I, um, especially from a power team, uh, since we've been in the AFL, it's hard to recall a team that's been so unified. Um, you know, the players have talked about it, but you can see it on the ground. The amount of blocks, um, the amount of shepherds, um, the amount of smothers, uh, and we're talking about it on a weekly basis. I think the uh, the goal Matt White did um, kicking to the northern end, I think in the third quarter, um, or was it the last quarter? Uh, you know, Monfries and Boke, Boke to White, both of those players bumped 
Um, West offlaid some good shepherds. Um, you know, it was, it was just great to see um, fantastic team play, uh, and I really enjoy watching it. And I think we get caught up when, when the AFL coaches are talking defence, uh, where we're talking about um, just the back six. But you know, it was clear that Ken was, wasn't talking about the, the back six, but the team defending as a whole, and uh, that was perfect. Restricting, and I'll talk, we'll talk about it in the game review, but you know, in the third quarter after we broke out the five goals, having Frio with only about 31 inside 50s was just an amazing effort. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what about your hate, mate? Uh, my hate is a, a pretty topical one for a lot of us, is, is the AFL fixed ring. Um, not only because I couldn't make the game due to work, and, but there's plenty of people out there with sport. But it's not only that. We, we deserved to be a nighttime fixture this week, really. I mean, well, I can understand Sydney and Hawthorne um, having a nighttime game and being the showpiece for the trades. And, and But they've been finals hardened over the years. But, I mean, to back up Saturday night with Western Bulldogs Melbourne um, oh, as the feature game, tonight we've got St Kilda Carlton, and from what I heard on the radio on the way home from work, it's been a deplorable game. And surely um, the Victorian viewers, which skew the viewing market, uh, are more open now to wanting to watch an interstate side that plays great football compared to watching two Victorian sides playing a shocking game. Um, you know, I mean, and I understand it's all about viewing and rating, but surely there has to be some sort of balance there because, in my opinion, it's just not fair. And if... if us as a club stack it up again this year, which obviously I, I think we will. Um, you know, we need to be rewarded as a footy club for some I better. We, uh, I think we only have like one game on Friday night against Carlton later in the year. Is that it? Yep, last game, and we've got I think four free-to-air games for the season. Wow. Yeah, and I'm hoping. I mean, if you go by Big Footy as a very, very rough stat, there is a lot of Victorian supporters now though that are saying they love watching. Port Adelaide play and you know because we've been down in the dump so long um, a lot of them are getting on the bandwagon as the the second team at the moment a uh, bit of a fairy tale story surely that has to to skew in our favor with uh, with some more favorable time slots especially on TV uh, so we can try and attract some more fans absolutely well Ross what about your love and hate mate well I'll start with my hate just to get out of the way pretty much uh, for the Baggies game against Sturt, I was looking forward to it because my dad's a Sturt supporter and a Colton supporter. We are pretty much uh, marking this down on the calendar at the start of the year and then last week we realised it's Mother's Day. <laughs> and, uh, yep, Mother comes first, so couldn't go, which is, uh, yeah. And uh, for my love, it would have to be Jackson Trango stepping up. It was a beautiful game. Right at the start when Lobie got... Uh, it was a late withdrawal for Lobie and Renouf came in. I was sort of sitting there with my hands on my face, you know, going, oh, no, what's going on here? I heard the rumours all week with Lobie and obviously got dropped, or not dropped, but he, uh, it was a late withdrawal. Jack, Jackson, yeah, Jackson Trangove, beautiful game. He, his leap in the ruck is beautiful. I hope that he actually spends more time in the ruck. It actually would probably give Tom Fleury or someone like that more of a go as well. Well, there, I posted only today that um, at the moment our ideal rucking setup would be Loby with uh, Trangove helping him out. I mean, it, it just is good for our balance. Yep, definitely. 
Got to agree with that one. Um, look, my love, it's got to be Jarman Impey. Just what a performance on such a dangerous player in Ballantyne who's, who's had some pretty good games against us in the past, I reckon. Um, he kept him to nine touches and I think a disposable efficiency in the 40s. So he absolutely dominated him. Um, Ballantyne was under the pump the entire time. He, he barely got a free kick. Um, he just had no time or space to do anything with the ball at all. Um, Impey's closing speed is just phenomenal. Um, and he's so clever with the ball in his hands as well. Um, he's looking like a bloody inspired pickup at the draft table. Yeah, a lot of people um, were critiquing the fact that he didn't get as many disposals as uh, they'd like for, for Impey. And pretty much all he did was his job was to shut down Valentine uh, and he did it. So, yeah. great job. Absolutely. Yeah, I think supporters forget that a back pocket or a forward pocket, they're not going to rack up 20, 25 disposals. Yeah, and, exactly. and not every player is going to get 20, 25 disposals. And I know I get caught up in it every now and again as well, but you've got to look at the job that we're doing. And, I mean, he's done it nearly every game this season. He's played the, the gun small forward and he's held it for a first-year player. He's been fantastic. My hate, it's got to be the lack of composure that we had going inside 50 in the first three quarters. Um, it just seemed time and time again we saw us kick inside 50 only for it to be marked by uh, either Mazungu or Johnson dropping back in front of the hole, in front of Schultz, or, uh, or even dropping back into the goal square for a quick shot. Um, they just seemed to be everywhere. They had 21 marks between them, and I reckon 90% of them would have come from our kicks. Um, you know, we just, I just thought we had to be a bit smarter um, and recognising that every time we do a quick kick forward, you know, one of their, you know, one of their players is standing there for an easy uncontested mark. We just had to be a little bit smarter with that. I Let's go into our review. Uh, it was Port versus Freo at Adelaide Oval on Saturday in front of, I think it was 38,000 people, and we came away with a very, very hard fought, but quite an exhilarating 18-point victory. We won 13 goals 16 to 11 goals 10. Uh, Ross, you want to lead us off with a bit of a review, mate? Uh, no problem. Uh, pretty much at the start, uh, Lobie, uh had the injury and Renouf came in, and pretty much uh, we have here, we got Robbie Gray, 30 disposals, we started off. Uh, we started off alright, and then in the second and third quarters, pretty much uh, we were coming and coming. Like there was a pretty bad free kick in the last uh, couple of seconds in that third quarter with Jay Schultz tackling. Uh, I can't remember what it was Martin Barlow. Yeah, the high, the marginally high one. Yeah, and then uh, they got a free kick or 50, 50 meter penalty, and uh, surprisingly, we actually won the free kick seventeen to eleven, I think. Mm. And uh, my crow supporting friend was uh, saying that, <laughs> that, that uh, those free kicks cost them the game or something, the free mail. But pretty much, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the pretty only much. way we win games, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Umpires look after us. Yeah. Yeah, like the same thing will happen next week with, uh, with uh, not next week, in two weeks' time, they'll say that injuries are going to cost uh, Hawthorne the win. But pretty much. In the last quarter, we just went bang. Like Wingard obviously finished on five goals. Kane Mitchell got... That's another thing. Kane Mitchell, those two goals he kicked on that southern end, one was uh, on the left side from 50 metres out, one from on the right from 50 metres out, uh, right in front of me. That was Those two kicks were absolutely beautiful. Matt White 
running. Uh, Pollock uh, kicked it. I think it went under Johnson, Michael Johnson. Yeah, the chaos ball. That was great. Oh man, <laughs> it shocked everyone. <laughs> and uh, rolled to Boak, I think it was, or maybe Matt White. Matt White gave it to Boak, and Boak pretty much you can see on Boak's face, like, oh no, you can you can have it back. You you go you go all the way for goal. Will Shepherd you. Yep. Kicks a beautiful goal. And also with Chad Wingard's mark, he flew up in the air, like plucked it. And the best part about that mark, in my opinion, was when he flew in the air, it was just a little little man, Wingard, flew. And as he's taken the mark, the whole stadium, like, I'm, like with my peripheral vision, I'm looking, the whole stadium just erupts. It was like probably one of the best feelings this year, that mark. And everyone was going absolutely ballistic. Incredible. And... Uh, yeah, obviously we've got the win. That's it. What a game! What a performance! It was such an arm wrestle for three quarters. Um, I know there's there was a lot of comments on the forum after the game saying that uh, you know a, a lot of people didn't enjoy um, Frio's style of game and how they sort of choke football and all that sort of stuff. But I really, really enjoy that. It was such a, a game of chess almost. It was just such an interesting game of footy, and to come away with a win against a, a good opponent like Frio. Um, a finals-ready opponent like Frio in that sort of game, I think it bodes well for uh, later on this year. Yeah, the score was uh, 94 to 76, so it wasn't like it was a 35 to 50 game or something like that. So at least there was a lot of goals in it. That's it was right. just a it was just a natural high pressure finals type game, and I mean, as you know, I, I couldn't make the game, and so I had to watch the replay. Um, you know, but it was mentioned in the commentary as well that um, you know Fremantle brought their A game and they played very well, and we beat them with their with with a good game plan. Um, you know, so it's something to take away. Um, the thing I noticed on TV, I don't know about you guys at the ground, but. Um, Renouf actually didn't play, I thought, much of that first quarter. Um, it seemed to be Jackson in the ruck um, more in the first quarter than Renouf. And, uh, and I thought really um, him, uh, Ollie Wines um, and the runners, Kane Mitchell, um, in that first quarter really set the game up for us. And they, they played cracking first quarters. And, and yeah, it was, it was just amazing. And then, and then after that, it became a bit of a defensive grind. But it was one of those games where we always, even though we were just behind, we seemed to have the more dominant possession. Uh, and if you look at the stats throughout the game, our time and forward half was, was quite often around the 60-odd percent. So we would, as you were saying, Macca, we, we were having the possession, but we just weren't using the ball properly. And I think it took the boys to adjust maybe the three quarters to the game style that Frio bring to the plate. No, it's it's definitely a fair call. I mean, Frio were dropping one, sometimes two players back in defence. Um, and as we know, we like to play a spare man in defence as well. And our spare man did a pretty good job. Um, as you said, like Wines, Ebert, uh, these guys have had massive first quarters just about every week this year. You can always rely on them to get the team off to a, to a bang out of the blocks. Um, thought Hartlett had a pretty good first quarter. Um, yeah, I, I thought we were we were in the game, definitely. It was just on the scoreboard and just our inside 50s. They just weren't clean at all. We just needed to, to, uh, to be a little bit smarter going inside 50. If we were doing that, we probably would have been uh, been well in front. But uh, but oh well, maybe next. Yeah. Week. Well, I think it's something that we'll take away. Yeah, oh, and we'll le- yeah. and we'll learn from, learn from it. Yeah. I think we just got caught up with 
And it was it's probably that perceived pressure that Freeman will bring to a game of football, and especially for our side, which is still young. Um, you know, so they probably rushed their decision making and just panicked and bombed long instead of dropping the eyes and looking for the shorter targets. Yeah. I think the I think the one thing that concerned me the most um, in the second and third quarters, especially, was um, and you guys might have picked it up at the game again. Frio seemed to be getting quite often. Um, they were outnumbering our defensive plays around the for, their forward fifty, and they were and they were generating loose players quite often, which uh, to me on TV um, was a bit of a concern. And obviously that was helping them get those uh, those cheap goals too. Yeah, I think the uh, the good part about this win for me is that a couple of weeks ago everyone was sort of saying, "Oh well, who have you beaten?" Well, we've just beaten a super super attacking side in Geelong. And now we've beaten a super, super defensive side in Fremantle. And that, for me, is a, is a bloody good thing. And it shows how diverse that we can be. We can adjust to every situation against uh, very good teams um, and very, very different game plans. Yeah, yeah. And that's right. And that's, um, and that's what Ken was saying. He wanted to, to beat um, free out their own game, which was their defensive ability. And uh, and we did that, and, and as I said in the in, right from the get go, our defensive play was amazing. I mean, can you guys think of a, a power side that um, has defended as well as what these boys are? No, no, maybe or should only I say better. No, probably only in two thousand and four. But even back then, it was a different style of game to what it is now. I mean, our defence is just looking absolutely rock solid. Just fantastic mm. players and fantastic team players, as you've said, Rick. Um, they all do their job. It's a very diverse group. It's a very skillful group and a very quick group as well, um, which I like. Mm. I guess the bit of the um, the elephant in the room is, uh, I guess, Westhoff. He's been down a little bit. And yep. uh, are we lacking that John Butcher effect for Westhoff? Um, you know, do we, you know, would we, uh, and John Butcher in that game, been an advantage for us? Well, John Butcher would have taken another uh, key position defender there. They actually, uh, how many, who, who uh, did Fremantle have out? That um, had McFarlane and Wilson out. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely would have tested their depth and Butcher could have capitalised on that. It's a shame. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's been in okay form in the SNFL, but if he uh, got caught up with, with Lobie not playing over a move, I think that would have better suited us. Yeah, hey, that's a very good point, mate. And um, with the power of hindsight, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Macca. But, you know, Tringo more and Ruck with Westhoff and, and even maybe pinch hit with Butcher probably would have been a little bit more effective than uh, bringing in relief. What do you reckon? I'm really liking us going in small at the moment. I never thought I'd ever hear myself say that, but I really like going in small. I think we're outrunning sides... Um, and going in with an extra runner is really helping in that, in doing that in the last quarters. Um, I love Trengove in the ruck, um, but a whole game against Sanderlands, just don't know. Just don't know if that mm. worked. They obviously need help, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I was, I remember I was a loner three years ago on the forum when I was, uh, I was coming out with this outrageous statement that I thought Trengove looked like a, a natural ruckman and, I was hung out with dry. I was looking for backup Macca, but you were never there when I was getting bagged for that outrageous call. Why risk a key defender 
in the ruck and Mac and my mate, where were you? Hey, he's gone. He was somewhere else. But um, you know, it's it's come out. It's just that natural. Well, we needed a centre half back at that time as well. I know, and uh, and I, I think Ross just pointed out before. I mean, we've got that opportunity now with Clory coming into good form as well. Yep. Uh, Campbell Heath also in the background. Um, there, I think Paul Short can lend a hand as well. Yeah, there's a growing opportunity to um, you know to maybe look at that as a uh, as a potential because I think he's around the ground works even a little bit more influential than Roby at the moment, but. Um, but yeah, and uh, I've got to say though, hats off to to Kane Mitchell as you mentioned, Ross. I mean, you know, I guess I was critical of his disposal last year and maybe his ability not to uh, get enough ball. But I thought his game coming back for the first time uh, was fantastic on the weekend, and the amount of extra run that he gave that side was just it was beautiful to watch from a footy sense. And uh, hopefully he can back it up again this week because I find it highly unlikely that he'd probably be dropped out of the side. Yeah. Oh, look, he's been in fantastic form in the SNFL. He's been picking up 30 touches a week and kicking a couple of goals, and his inside work has been fantastic. And he, he really did bring that uh, to the AFL side this week. Um, I guess there was probably a few people that thought, well, why is he getting there? You know, maybe we should have gone more or, or given Newton another game instead. But, you know, he played a bloody good game and a very, very important game on the weekend, I thought. And as you said, Ross, his two goals... They were bloody fantastic, especially that mm. one deep in the pocket. I mean, yeah, the second one. The, is that now the Kane Mitchell pocket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both sides, uh, I'd call the Kane Mitchell pocket. I'm 50 out. The Kane Mitchell stand. That's, uh, well, that second second, that second goal, no one was kicking it from there. Everyone was drifting no, left. That's right, yeah. And he nailed it. Yeah, Pat kicked, kicked, kicked it out on the floor as well from yep. there. Hmm. Mm. Well, I guess it's a bit of an impromptu question for you guys, and uh, I might be springing it on you, but I guess what, as a team, what would we have learnt taken away from Saturday's game going, I think we need to do this a little bit better, especially probably from the first three quarters? Well, for me, I think it's pretty simple. I think we need to, uh, as I've said a couple of times, we need to work on our inside 50 um, entries. I think we need to be cleaner with the ball going inside 50, um, we need to be very mindful of uh, of what the opposition is doing in our forward 50. Um, so if, if they are throwing a couple of people behind the ball, um, you know, our midfielders and people and defenders need to be mindful of that um, and maybe try and be a little bit more accountable themselves. Um, you know, maybe throw someone else in there um, just to keep them accountable. Um, I thought our defence was pretty good. Um, on the weekend, I thought our midfield did a fantastic job against Frio's midfield. I was just wondering again. This well, what, is, about I apolog- what about yourself? Yeah, well, I, I apologise for not being able to get to the game because I probably would have picked up on a few things a little bit more because um, you get the zoomed in angle only from the TV. But yeah. I guess I noticed when we had the ball, um, Frio's got that. It's interesting. They seem to have that structure where they have one person come <laughs> and play with the ball, and then they have a line of three behind them, almost trying to stop that person running past them. Um, I just felt like there was times where we maybe we should have just had another person um, at, that, at that last link. We seem to maybe be a midfielder short sometimes in our structure. Um, you know, but uh, the boys in the box are, are the wiser men than me. Uh, but it would have just been nice to have just seen, in the, especially in the first three quarters, just a little bit more run uh, you know, from the back, from behind, if it was possible. 
uh, just to try to break those lines a little bit more. But yeah, like you said, Macca, um, yeah, other outside of that, just the uh, the inside 50 delivery. But I mean, hats off to Frio. They pressured our boys. I mean, Broadbeck got exposed a little bit with our um, our defensive kick-ins and the, our deep kicks from defence. Um, you know, they corralled uh, Trengove in the back half uh, beautifully, which resulted in a, a holding the ball and turnover to Hamish Hartlett again. I thought we were probably one player short in that chain of uh, or sequence. Uh, but again, that was their defensive structure that uh, created those errors. And well, that's what Frio do. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, what, that's what they do. They're, they're well known for their full, their full ground press. They just bombard you with pressure um, no matter where on the ground you are. They just run straight at you. You've got no time to get rid of the ball. You've got to think on your feet. And I thought we did that very, very well. I mean, we've seen us in those sort of situations in past years just absolutely crumble and lose by 10 or 15 goals. Um, so to come out of that with a, with a fantastic win and soak up all that pressure, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, I think in the first half, Pitt uh, sort of crumbled in that pressure, but in the second, especially in the last quarter, he, he came out trumps. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> yeah, you want to pick a fight? Is that what you're saying? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> Mate, I told you I before you're the beautiful podcast. beautiful in the last quarter. I, Mate, thought, I told you before the ordering. podcast, new, new person coming on, no criticism of Jasper Pittard. Now you've just broken all rules. So Macca, right, last quarter he was he was great. <laughs> he uh, no, nah, but seriously, uh, look, he had a couple of bloopers in the first quarter. I thought, uh, if I was to be brutally honest, uh, but I mean, and as uh, I think it's uh, filthy um, um, with the PH uh, pointed out. I mean, you've got players. There's only a certain amount of players that take the game on in your team, and. Uh, they can look woeful when it doesn't execute, but you need those players, right? Yeah. Especially with the game plan that Ken wants to play. And I know a lot of people keep calling for Jasper to be dropped, um, but I guess that's no, why he's in the team. I don't think many people want Jasper to be dropped. I just think they want him to make smarter decisions with the ball. And look, I thought Jasper was reasonably, well, very poor in the first three quarters. He, he definitely made up for it in the last... But I tell you what, Brody was was a lot worse. He was he had probably the worst game he's played in three years. So mm. what's going on with Brody? Is he getting a bit more attention? You think at the games and uh, over the last three weeks, and he's getting a bit more heat than uh, since the Brisbane game where he just had a run in the park. Normally he gets a third man up in one on one contests, and he wasn't really doing that against Fremantle. Yep. It's one of I mean it's one of those things though, isn't it? Where He'll probably he's going to learn a lot more from this game than what he would have just rolling around against Brisbane doing whatever he pleased. Yep. So it's you know it, you're right. It was probably a dirty day for him, but he's going to take a lot more out of it and become a better player from a game like this oh, sure. uh, than just having you know just the Peter Berger and let him run free and get 40 possessions. Um, so uh, yep. yeah, and I mean for me. And I'm not saying you're disagreeing or wanting him out, but you know he's he's an integral part of our side now, and it's great that we can still get the wins while our players are learning from this sort of stuff. And uh, and as we said earlier, I mean this is a, it was a great game for um, for finals type pressure for our boys, and I think it was a perfect game for us to be playing just before the bye to then follow up with Hawthorne because it's going to be the same sort of pressure again, even with their injuries and, and suspensions. And uh, But our boys are going to be ready for it, and that's why I'm quite confident that that's for a, a different podcast. I thought the other interesting one was um, 
I thought Frio put a lot of attention into Robbie Gray, uh, which was really highlighted with the with the five disposals and the lack of influence he had on the game uh, for the first half. But geez, didn't he change after that um, after that halftime break? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think he had five touches to halftime, and I was thinking, God, they've they've put a lot of work into him, and he's uh, this is his first sort of poor game for the year. And then he just went bang. I think he had 25 touches in the second half um, and was just one of the absolute key players in getting us uh, getting us the win again. Yeah. What happened uh, with Moffries? Like, he got 20 touches, but I didn't really see him the whole day. Yeah, that surprised me, him getting 20 touches. I, I When I came home and looked at the stat sheet, I was expecting him to have had uh, maybe about 10, but... I didn't really notice him do much at all. Same with Hartlett. Um, I was surprised mm. by the amount of ball that he ended up getting because um, I didn't think uh, he was all that sort of uh, prevalent in the game either. Mm. Yeah. Look, you got to say, Robbie Gray's been our best player for the year so far, oh, hasn't sure. he? Yeah. And he'd be, he'd be leading the best and fairest, I'd imagine. I'd be surprised. He'd be the Australian team. He'd well, you just, hope just so. about be leading the Brownlow <laughs> as well, really. <laughs> He's had You're a right, cracking, cracking start to the year. Yeah, and I guess, and it's amazing that Kane Corns nearly another thirty disposals again as well. I mean, the guy yeah. just doesn't stop, doesn't he? And he had a sort of a weirder, weirder um, game plan this week. He wasn't really playing a real hard tag, I thought, or what you could see on TV. No. But uh, yeah, and I guess we should should probably mention uh, uh, the Chad. Uh, I thought he. You know, I asked for him to stand up, as we spoke about earlier, and uh, he did. I mean, he's still only, he had 17 possessions, so he was probably a little bit down on last year's output, which we keep comparing him to. But I felt like he had more influence on the game outside of his goal scoring, just with his uh, possessions, where they were go- where, the- where he received them and executed them. Uh, I really uh, thought he had a much better game and his best game for the year this year. And what a, fantastic, what a fantastic mark and uh, some of those goals, beautiful. Well, to me, um, it feels like that Montfries and uh, Wingard have swapped positions. Like last year, when we had a two-tall defence, like a uh, two-man uh, for key position forwards, like Montfries would be going at full forward sometimes. And I really, like, I see uh, Wingard playing that role now. Yeah, yeah, he's playing a bit deeper than he was last year. Yeah. he was uh, spending a bit more time on the wing, up around that sort of area. Um, and Wanfrey's certainly deeper, but yeah, they've definitely swapped spots, and especially with Gray in fantastic form, he's another one that's uh, that's working a bit further up the field as well. Um, but look, with Chad, I mean, what did he say last year before the the second showdown that he he wanted to be known as a big game player? He wanted to be known as sort of like LeBron and mm. you know, performing in huge games. And you got to say he is he is a big game player at the moment. He was great against Geelong, and he was uh, arguably you know just about the match winner on the weekend as well. Definitely. All right, Ross, so who are your best players? Oh, I'd say definitely uh, Jackson Trango stood up and uh, Wingard would have to be best on ground for his five goals. Robbie Gray in the last couple of quarters ended up with 30 disposals. He was terrific. Kane Corns, quiet achiever with his 29 touches, which I never see. And uh, Travis Boke ended up with 28 touches, despite getting a really hard tag as well, which I thought was very good. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I don't chase the uh, uh, possession boys, and I, I agree with Ross. I thought Jackson, even though it was only 14 disposals, I thought his one percenters, his rut work, his team play, 
Um, I thought he was fantastic. I gave him best on ground um, just because I thought he was a four-quarter player. Um, I gave Robbie second best on ground, another great game, but he was uh, ineffectual for the first half, but he really turned it around as we uh, spoke about. Um, Chad Wingard, uh, I got him. I gave him in the in the three. Uh, I pushed Kane Mitchell in there because, uh, again, as we said, a great game, great influence for what he did. Two great goals, and uh, I gave uh, Jarman Impey uh, fifth best for his job on Ballantyne. Fantastic effort. Nice work. Yep, definitely agree with that. I had uh, Trengove as best on ground. Clearly, the most influential player um, in terms of the result. Um, he kept Clark out of it. Um, mostly before that huge last quarter in the ruck. Um, you just got to love what he does in the ruck when he goes in there. He's, he's certainly the most influential uh, fill-in ruckman in the league, in my opinion. Um, he's got a very deceiving leap on him. He, he leaps uh, much bigger than I think his opponents realise, and just his ability to, to guide his taps down to our midfielders is, uh, is fantastic. It was just a stunning performance and, and stunning leadership as well. Um, Chatty Wingard, I had him as uh, second best on ground, five goals. He was he was the superstar of the weekend. Um, and as we just said before, he, he came to the fore again in a big game, certainly a big game player is, uh, is Chatty. Uh, Jarman Impey, I had him as third best, just a fantastic job on Ballantyne, kept him out of it um, and was pretty clever with the bowl himself. Um, I had Bobby Carlisle as fourth best, uh, just loved his game on Pavlich, um, kept him to the one goal. As we said, we spoke about him in the preview as being their main source of goals and also inside 50 targets and just uh, just perfectly shut him out of the game. And uh, my fifth best was uh, Robbie Gray, just a, an absolute superstar this year, very deserving um, of being talked about in all Australian circles and, and would certainly be leading the best and fairest uh, by an absolute mile um, at the moment. <laughs> Sorry, Love I had to that in there. What a win! What a great win! What a win! Where do we where do we see that uh, in the season so far? Is that better than uh, than the Geelong game? Do you think? No, no. No, it's still like the Geelong game better. Yep. We stamped Fair enough. stamped our definitely uh, our top four aspirations with that Geelong game. Yeah, I mean, as we spoke about on Thursday, I mean, I mean, we're really arguing over semantics, I guess. But um, you know, it was to me, to me, there was more in the Geelong. My my daughter just dropped the phone. Um, she's just doing a walk through for the podcast. Thanks, Jess. Um, but uh, don't give me the finger. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, it's just I just thought Geelong Geelong's a form team. They you know they could be equal top with us. Um, Come next week, and, and we they they brought their A game and the bulk of their players, and and we destroyed them. And you know, whereas Frio is not travelling that well, and uh, hence the reason uh, you know I still place the Geelong game a bit higher than the, the Frio game. But at the end of the day, two cracking games. Yep, mm. no, that's fair enough. Nice. The other, the only other thing I want to mention is that it was great to see us win again with only one goal from our two key forwards. Hmm. Yeah, it just shows how important our uh, smalls are. Yeah. But how was the um, the stadium? Like, was it any different? It seemed pretty flat with the wind. It wasn't windy, no rain. So the the punters didn't get exposed to the, to the wet and were still waiting for Adelaide Oval to have a pure wet game. Yeah, there was no rain during the game. I thought the crowd was very, very quiet this week, to be honest. Yeah. Until, uh, certainly up until sort of... The last quarter. Yeah, I reckon it was probably 
um, one of Wingard's goals in the third quarter, then we really started to pick up the noise a bit when um, we sort of realised that the game was on as a contest. Before that, certainly the first half, it seemed pretty flat, I thought. And also to add with the uh, the rain and the, the wet grass and everything, I think uh, John Manimpi should probably change his shoes. He's Every time he got the ball, he, all, he like slipped over or when he was near the contest. like I think he was like the only guy that was doing that. I don't know what was going on there. Mm. I mean, it's a bit of an obvious question, but were you guys happy with the crowd for a Saturday one ten game? 38,000. Yeah, definitely. I'm taking yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was almost a sellout, wasn't it? 3,000 tickets, I think, was uh, left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, I guess, if you've got to work, play sport, you know, kids' sport, it's just not a great time slot, I guess. So, I mean, I'm pretty stoked that we got 38,000 there, to be honest. And, and with the rain forecast, I'm sure that probably uh, uh, kept a few people away because uh, Saturday morning was looking pretty deplorable weather-wise. Yeah. We need uh, 33,000 to break even, don't we? It's the mystery. We've, we've budgeted for thirty-three to thirty-four thousand. So yeah, anything over that, you know, good with me. But with the Hawthorne game, uh, we really need to get over forty-five thousand for that. Like, oh. We need to. We need to. Don't, don't worry about that, Ross. If All it's, right, we'll if it's nice weather, we've got to get forty-eight plus. For oh, that one, yeah, I reckon we'll get close to fifty thousand. I reckon. Just uh, fingers cool. crossed for uh, for nice weather. <laughs> yeah. All right, on to the Maggies and uh, Port played Sturt uh, on Sunday at Albert and Oval for Mother's Day. Um, we cruised to a pretty easy 50-point victory. It was 19 goals 12 to 11 goals 10. Um, we were 28 points up at quarter time. Uh, it, it took Sturt probably about 10 minutes to go inside 50. It, it was pretty much all poured in the first quarter. To Sturt's credit, they really came back hard in the second quarter and kicked, I think, four out of the first five goals um, to cut the margin back to 10 points. And it looked like um, it was uh, it was leading up to its billing of uh, first versus second. Um, but that's where it pretty much ended at half-time. Port kicked uh, four goals pretty quickly and led by 30 points at half-time. Um, it was all Port in the third quarter, and we pretty much shut up shop in the last quarter um, we didn't have a bench, and we were playing Butcher, who, who had a, a bit of a niggle um, out of the yep. goal square. He could barely move, really. Um, and we were pretty much just playing kick-to-kick kick in the back lines for, for all of the last quarter. Um, and we ran away pretty easy 50-point victors. In the first half, uh, Kirkwood was uh, running right, apparently. And uh, yep. in the second, we, we shut him down. I think he only got like five touches, maybe in the second half. I'm yeah, not sure he went on it. Yeah, he had, uh, no, I think he was on 21 touches at half time. So I think he yeah. had seven in the second half. But Richie Tambling was the other one that was causing us some issues. Um, we couldn't really deal with his pace a little bit. We had to put Flinney on him for a little while. Yeah, I also noticed we had uh, we had three Ruckman. We had Harron, we had Bruggerman, Mitch Harvey doing a little bit of pinch hitting in the right, while uh, Sturt's Ruckman Curtsy, I think that's how pronounced, he, yep. he dominated 40, uh, 38, uh, 39 hit outs. Yeah. Compared to, I think we only got like 10 between offs or something like that, maybe 15. Yeah. I mean, Angus Kurtz is a very good SNFL ruckman, and he's uh, he's definitely a lot taller than uh, all of Harren, uh, Bruggerman, and Harvey. I mean, we, we sort of went in with a bit of a makeshift uh, ruck contingent, considering uh, Renouf was uh, was put up to the, the power, and with uh, Lobie and Redden out, we don't really have any other ruckman for the Maggies. Yeah, it definitely would have been handy with Redden or Renouf there. Oh, absolutely. 
So how did Flynn go um, on tambling? I was impressed to see that he got 20-odd disposals and six rebound 50s. He looked like he picked it up from last week. Flynn was awesome. His entire potential was on display yesterday. I can't say enough good things about him. Just his ability, he's starting to get that footy now that we've spoken about a bit on this on this podcast. You know, he's working out where to run. Um, he's working out what to do defensively, working out when to go into the contest, when to hang back. Um, and look, he's just lightning quick. There was a, there was one bit of play where he gave Tambling, I think, about a, a 30 to 40 metre head start. They were just charging down the ground. And he overtook him in in no time. He he is a bloody quick individual, and not just that, but his skills yesterday were fantastic. There was one particular kick which I think I wrote on the uh, on the review thread was uh, it gave me an immediate, and it was a it was a fifty meter pass off two steps to a running Beeman's who didn't have to change stride, running uh, with the flight of the ball. It was just it was the best kick I've seen all year at any level. It was fantastic. He's uh, he's going to be something pretty special, I think, Flinny. So I want you uh, to call it now, Macca. Um, can you see him playing an AFL game in 2015? Uh, in 2015? Uh, quite possibly, yep. Yeah. Definitely after the end of his two-year deal. I'd say maybe after that two-year deal, if we sign him up again, he'll definitely be playing AFL after that if he continues to perform his own. Would you, you call him ex- explosive? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's definitely explosive. Half-bat flanker? Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably. I want to see him on a wing, to be honest. Yeah. Kick, with his skill level, kicking inside 50, and with his pace, I mean, there's not many... I mean, he's got Dangerfield pace and Dangerfield sort of core strength. If, mm. he, if he can get into an AFL side, he's going to be bloody hard to stop. Well, if we mm. press up, he'll already be on the wing anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. No, that's right. No, mm. he, he, was, he was fantastic. He was uh, the shining light yesterday. He was, he was pretty And so I noticed he kicked the ball more, so he must have had a bit of more confidence uh, uh, with his disposals yesterday. He got a lot of it. I mean, he got a lot of it uh, fairly late when we were doing a bit of the kick-to-kick. But, yeah, I mean, he's just a great user of the ball. You know, either yeah. short kicks or long kicks, he just knows how to kick it. That's great. Yeah. And what about the forgotten man, uh, Campbell Heath? Heath did a good job. He was uh, he was pretty good in defence. He played on uh, Levi uh, Krauts, I think his name was, um, and did a reasonable job on him. Um, I think he, he let him get away from him a little bit in the third quarter. Uh, but outside of that, he did a very good job. Um, you know, he just reads the play so well. Um, his ability to sort of cut off opposition uh, kicks, he's sort of like... Uh, He's certainly doing sort of Brody's role at, at uh, SANFL level at the moment. Mm. And I, I'm a huge fan of Campbell Heath. I love him. I reckon, uh, I reckon he's got a big future and hope he can uh, somehow find his way into the AFL side um, this year. Yeah, I was really happy uh, with his performances last year against Sydney and uh, Gold Coast as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He had a great start to the season and then sort of lost his way and got injured uh, for a fair bit of the time. But um, even as a third toll up forward, we saw him play that that role against Sydney, I think it was. And he kicked a few goals and, yeah, I'd love to see uh, what he could do across a forward flank, maybe. It was a, it was a decent game. Yeah. And how about Benny Newton? Well, he just keeps on keeping on, doesn't he? I mean, 30 touches, eight marks, you know, something like seven clearances or... You know, he, he just keeps on keeping on. He, he just can't play a bad game at the moment. 
Mm. He's certainly he's definitely uh, certainly pushing uh, for regular se- uh, selection at AFL level. That's for sure. It's not just that though. You got Ben Newton, Paul Stewart, Andrew Moore, um, three of our prime movers that are consistently just um, racking them up, aren't they? It's a great problem to have um, this year. Uh, whether they get uh, sharked by an opponent next year and uh, and stolen from us, I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, if they can't get game time, they might want to leave and go somewhere else. But certainly this year, it's a, it's a fantastic problem to have fantastic depth um, all across the park. Everyone's playing well at the moment. Um, and certainly the one club is working with the uh, Steve structures. Steve Summerton has been a great captain so far. He's playing out of his skin. Oh, I really yeah. hope uh, he can end up winning the McGarry as well. Yeah. He was probably... Uh, he was my second best player yesterday, but I'd say he would likely get the three votes. Hmm. Based on stats too, it seems like Needy seems to be getting a little bit more influence in the game too, which is a good sign. Needy was fantastic yesterday. I mean, you look at his stats and... To me, I mean, you look at, I think it's uh, 16 touches and a goal, and you think, yeah, well, that's not too bad. But the impact that he had with his disposals was the best I've seen it um, in his in his entire career to date. Um, he probably had, uh, with his 16 touches, maybe, I don't know, 11 or 12 score involvements, I reckon. He was uh, mm. he was in it the whole time. He, he was great. Mm, good on him. So uh, is it, uh, can you see changes afoot? At the end of this season, with the the structure of the the Port Magpies, is it is it too much of a, an unfair advantage to the rest of the competition? Well, there's going to be changes anyway. Uh, I think uh, we know that there's up, going to be changes. I think they'll end up uh, instead of having us fifteen, like having fifteen SNFL players, they'll probably have like one SNFL player with uh, Summerton as our captain, and then we'll probably have our pool of academy players on a hundred bucks as uh, our other top-ups. I think they might go towards doing that, see what happens. And I guess uh, I guess we probably shouldn't forget, Macaroon, people can still um, get involved with the, the locker room competition. It's getting closer now. Yep. Uh, so we've got, we've got this podcast that people can like and share and comment or tag a friend in, sorry. Um, then we'll have a, a podcast uh, next week. And then there'll be one more, I believe, uh, before we get into the uh, the random draw. Yep. So uh, I'm looking forward to going through all of those likes and shares shortly and writing everyone's name, names down. That That's uh, going to be a, a few hours' work. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, Ross, uh, thanks for coming on, buddy. Uh, great no to have you on the podcast for your first time. Thank you. Yeah, you did well, mate. That's it. Rick, as always, buddy. Pleasure, Macca. Keep that lid, to... the lid back on. <laughs> Shit, no. <laughs> Good work. Can the pair. Can the Maggie. Go Port Adelaide. Go Port Adelaide. Ah, Ports. Dream off. Step up on the plate, Dermot. Every kid in the backyard with the big trees lined up with the footy before mum calls you in for dinner. The shot for goal after the siren to win it. Jared Poulton, your time has come. Drop part. Your time has come. What a win.